Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Open Mic Podcast. My name is Caroline. I'm a rising senior at Columbia University, and I'm so excited to be hosting this series where we'll be talking about school and life and everything in between. Each episode will feature a new topic and a different guest. And today, I'm so excited to be introducing my good friend, Ashley Gutierrez. Ashley, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thanks, Caroline, for having me. Hi, everyone. I'm Ashley. I am officially a rising senior at Columbia, which is crazy to say. I'm majoring in biochemistry in CC, and I am from Miami, Florida. My intro used to be, hi, I'm like a rising junior at Columbia, and then now we have to change it to rising senior since we're, it's like summertime, and so now we're like officially considered. We're going into it, you know? (laughs) Yeah, and so today we're going to be talking about Ashley's experience as a first-generation student in college. Before we get started, do you want to tell us a little bit about your high school experience and how you applied to Columbia and how your college application process was like in general? Yeah, for sure. So like I said, I am from Miami, Florida. I went to a really, really big public high school. Um, I think my graduating class had about a thousand kids in it. The school overall probably had like 4,000 kids. Um, I'm Cuban. My high school was 99% 0.9% Hispanic population. So I didn't have that much diversity um, around me um, and kind of everyone had a similar experience as me. Most, almost the majority of the population of my high school was first gen low income as well. Their parents didn't go to college. So the college application process was kind of a mysterious thing for everyone. I guess the status quo in my high school was just, you know, finish high school as fast as you can graduate um, and then go to our state schools, um, either UF, the University of Florida or Florida State University. And ever since I got into high school, I would just kind of knew that neither one of those schools were gonna be like a fit for me personally. They're very large, um, very state party schools, that vibe. And I'm very quiet, um, love academics. So I kind of knew that we weren't going to vibe, you know, early on in the process. Come my senior year, I mean, my junior year, uh, going into senior year, where we actually really had to start thinking about it. Um, no one around me was thinking even applying outside of Florida. Like that wasn't even an option for them in their head. And so I was very lost personally, because I was like, well, I want, I know I want to leave, but no one around me has left or no knows anyone that has left the state of Florida. How am I going to do this? Where do I even start researching? Um, For all the seniors, we had one college counselor for all of us. So it was really tough even to get time to talk to an actual, not professional, but, you know, an expert on the college process. So it was a lot of researching Google, Reddit, um, YouTube (laughs) vlogs to see if I would even like leaving the state because, you know, that's a very scary thought to think about not being with your family and all this stuff. ended up right when I was about to apply I had some I was able to get an appointment with my guidance counselor she actually told me that my best bet was to stay in Florida and that I shouldn't even think about applying to a school with less than a 10% acceptance rate maybe um I took this very personally just because um I understand the importance of being realistic to a student you don't want to get someone's hopes up but the fact that she was not doubting me but telling me like oh I shouldn't even try like you know just play it safe go to a state school um, and you'll do well and so I took that 
as motivation to not apply to any state schools in Florida, actually, which I don't recommend, please apply to safety schools. And I applied to eight schools um, out of state. I think I applied to Harvard, Yale, Columbia, UPenn, NYU, Northwestern, Carnegie Mellon, and Boston College, I think were the eight schools that I applied to. Very, um, a mix of like reach, reach schools and some safety schools out of state, um, but still very scary because I was setting the bar pretty high for myself, um, leaving no safety net. But I was like, you know, if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna go all in. Um, and thankfully it worked out, you know, <laughs> I, I, I did cut into Columbia, um, but it was still even throughout that process, no one in my school supported me with it because they thought I was crazy or they were very dismissive, but I'm glad it worked out. Um, and so I guess coming to Columbia, I knew that I didn't want someone else to have to go through what I had to go through. Um, just the isolation is real when you're going through the college process by yourself. Um, and so since I learned all this stuff through the college application process. That's kind of where I joined Matriculate, which is a nonprofit here on campus um, that is college students um, basically guiding a high school senior through the whole entire college application process since when they first start their list um, up until they decide to enroll. Um, and that's honestly been one of the most rewarding things I could have done to give back um, so no one else had to struggle or, you know, I know we're all going to have our personal struggles, which we'll just struggle a little bit less <laughs> and just have someone there um, kind of being their little fan on the sideline yeah. while they're going through this super stressful process. <laughs> I guess having someone just even a few years older than you who is in college right now, it's just more relatable. It's like, you know what we're going through and you know how to help us. So I think that's, that's a really good program. A hundred percent. That's my favorite part, actually, that it's like college students advising because I mm -hmm. sometimes you know when it's a little bit of an older adult it's out of touch they don't know <laughs> uh the changes that have happened or where your background is honestly so mm -hmm. since we are college students and we just went through it it's like we're on the same level we understand each other completely and I think that's it's very important to have that and during such like a, a vulnerable process which is the application season it's crazy <laughs> with any type of application season it's a lot of personal reflection I don't think people realize that I guess I didn't realize it until like it was time for that yeah it makes you ask a lot of questions about yourself especially like a personal statement I was like mm -hmm. who am I <laughs> I don't know <laughs> did your did your family play a role in your decision as well that's a good question I would say their main thing was uh, financial aid and affordability so they were very supportive but they were like you have to go to the school that gives you the most money, which is the reality of most uh, students that came from my hometown. Um, as much as you want to go to a school, if they don't pay for you, it's not an option anymore. So that was something also stressful, like an extra layer of stress. It's not only did I have to gain acceptance to a school, but they had to also give me basically a full ride, um, which is very daunting. And I'm very grateful that here at Columbia, they did offer me a full ride. Um, but unfortunately, I know a lot of my peers back home that got into amazing schools, but weren't offered enough aid. So they did have to go to the like the local schools that uh, we have in Miami, which is fine. But it's sad to see that like they weren't able to um, go to the school that they really wanted to. Mm -hmm. How would you say the financial aid distribution is like 
decided? Yeah, so it differs from school to school. Um, I would say actually private institutions give you more aid, thankfully, than public. So while most people think that like staying in state to your public university might be the cheaper option, sometimes going to an out-of-state private school is actually more financially affordable just because they have a bigger endowment. So they have more money to give out to students. So I would say they really base off um, like the size of your household, all this stuff. We have to fill out FAFSA, which is so long. The CSS profile is another treacherous task you have to go through every year to fight for aid. Um, thankfully, um, and I think they're starting to get better at it, they have an appeals process too. So if for any reason the school doesn't, um, the school miscalculates your aid or isn't reflective of what you can actually afford, you can always appeal um, and just explain your circumstances. I think with COVID, I've seen that schools have gotten way more generous with their aid and they're very much more understanding about um, a student's financial circumstance. Like if you can't pay, they're very, um, I think they've been very generous, generous this year, at least in my personal experience with Columbia and uh, my friends that go to other institutions at Columbia. That's awesome. Would you recommend any outside scholarship funds? For sure. So the four main full tuition scholarships that I would look into if I was a high school junior right now is QuestBridge. Um, I think QuestBridge is one of the most famous ones. You get matched to a school and they will give you full tuition uh, for all your four years. Um, The only downside with that is it does have to be one of their partner schools. They have about like 35 and they're all really good schools. I know Columbia's on there, Yale, MIT, um, Stanford. So it's not like a bad school by no means, but you do have to go to the ones that they partner with. Um, So that's one of them. The Gates Scholarship founded by Bill Gates is also a really great scholarship that I've seen many people at Columbia have actually get that again, it's a full tuition scholarship. Um, There's another one called Jack Kent Cook, which is similar to the Gates um, full tuition. And the last one I could think of is called Posse. It's a little bit of a longer process, similar to QuestBridge. You have to go to a Posse partner school. But again, these schools are incredible. Couldn't recommend them enough. Um, So those are like the four main that I would recommend to any high school senior um, applying to college. Awesome. Thanks for that list. Did you find out about these when you were doing your own research for college applications or was this like kind of through the programs that you're mentoring people through now? Yeah, so I knew about QuestBridge when I was still in high school. I feel like that's the one they publicize the most Mm -hmm. um, just because they have a good marketing campaign, I would say. I got um, an email through the SAT, like the testing, they had my email and I got something sent when I was a junior asking to apply to QuestBridge, so I kept it on my radar. And the other three really came out while I was creating resources for the college advising that I was like, wow, these are some that I wish I knew um, when I was in high school. And I think that's kind of, that's kind of the trend we want to have is like, you know, at least now this person knows and they're going to share it to their high school. Um, And I've seen like in real time, the effect of just giving someone a resource and they tell all their friends. So giving back is just insane. (laughs) That's awesome. Do you think you want to continue this mentorship type of activity after college too? Oh, that's a, I've thought about it a lot. I wish, um, since I do want to do STEM after college, I wish that it was more intertwined to make it a little bit easier for me. 
but I definitely know that I still want to try to do some nonprofit work after college, similar to uh, like higher education access. Um, mm -hmm. I, I say that, but I don't know how grad school is going to be, but that is the goal <laughs> is to do some side hustle. <laughs> so Ashley and I are both part of SEBS, which is Scientists and Engineers for a Better Society, which I feel like kind of combines both of your interests like in STEM, but also is, there's a lot of kind of outreach to local elementary and middle schools. And so that's kind of like that mentorship side. Most recently, we had this grad school panel or a panel on graduate school, and we're just learning about how to apply and what life is like. When did you know you wanted to go to grad school for STEM? So I think I've well, first off, you know, I am very not pre-med and <laughs> and I, I have known that going into the STEM field, at first I was like the most, um, like the most popular option people pick is, oh, I'm going to be a doctor, I'm going to do this. And ever since hearing that when I was small, I was like, I know, love doctors, love helping people. I just couldn't do it. I am so weak and so sensitive that <laughs> I know that I wouldn't be able to like see blood, see any of that. I was like, and I know there are some doctors that don't have to see all that, but still I was like, eh, not really, not really my vibe. Then when I got into high school, um, my chemistry professor actually, I mean, my chemistry teacher's high school um, told me like, you know, you can do research because he wanted to go into pharmacy school. And so he was like, I know that you don't want to be a doctor. Look at all these options. And that was my first taste of big pharma life um, <laughs> and hearing about it for the first time. And especially now when I got into Columbia, realized that academia research is such a big field um, on top of like biotech companies and all this co more commercial stuff. And I was like, OK, this is kind of the where I want to go. Um, I think being able to research something of anything, any field that you want, any topic that you want is something so indescribable, a feeling um, that you can just, you don't have to pick, you know, you, you can do whatever you want. Um, and just seeing through my classes, um, all these things we know about just because someone researched such a niche topic is so interesting to me. And I really hope that I'm able to continue doing it uh, after I graduate. Yeah, I think like whenever we're working in a lab, it's like, a lot of things are given like, oh, this is a PCR and this is how it works. And you just put all these materials inside a little tube and you put it in the machine and then like your DNA is amplified. But then just thinking about people actually had to discover how to do this and adapt kind of natural processes into the lab and just like create these toolboxes that we can actually use to kind of build upon. For sure. I mean, when we were taking biology last <laughs> year and our professor said, oh, when I was in college, I remember seeing the news about them finding the structure of DNA. And I was like, in our heads, you know, sometimes it feels like that's like so ancient. And I'm like, mm -hmm. that was like the middle of the 19th, like 1900s. I'm like, what? That's like so recent. Um, and so it's kind of like you said, inspiring to see like, we did that back then with little to no modern technology. Mm -hmm. And I am very excited to see what else we can find by the time we go into grad school, by the time we're a little bit older. Yeah. And also, do you want to talk a little bit about maybe what the PhD or grad school journey is like? For sure. So um, I do not want to take a gap year for mm -hmm. right now. So I guess my how my schedule is going to be looking in the next year is finish junior year, first thing checked off. Um, and this summer is really about studying for the GRE um, and just researching where I want to apply to. I think there's something so 
um, much more important and the pressure's on for grad school rather than undergrad because you're going to be living there um, for about six, seven years. Mm -hmm. So that's something that you want to research very in depth to make sure you don't only like the people you're working with, the school, the department, but also the location that you're in. For me personally, the location of the school um, affects me (laughs) very heavily. (laughs) Just, you know, when you want to go out of school, you want to be able to leave, explore the city. And I feel like if I'm in a place that I can't do that or I don't enjoy doing it, I'll feel kind of like stuck, you know? So that's something I have to look into and where I want to be. And then I think the grad school applications are due a little bit earlier than undergrads. So I think it's about in December, everything is due. So my fall semester is going to be me really grinding, trying to complete some applications. Um, and I don't know how it's going to be with COVID, but I know that um, January, February, that type, they would, if you do get chosen for an interview, they'd fly you out to the school and talk to you there, or, um, invite you to visit the campus. But I think everything is up in the air right now because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So that is a to be determined next step. So I don't know what's going to happen after I submit an application. So we'll see. I'll find out at the same time as you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so true. Yeah, I mean, like, if you're applying, I guess this upcoming cycle, you'll know by next March or April-ish time, right? Yeah, I always, I've been telling my students all year that I'm like, I'm going to be you guys next, like, my high school students. I'm like, I'm going through it again all over with you guys. So whoever I get to advise next year, it's like, we're going to be on the same timeline (laughs) of applying to schools and researching. So I think it's going to be a very um, interesting experience to go be on the other side again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> with yeah. them at the same time do you know if there are any programs kind of like what you're doing with high school students but like with grad students mentoring undergrads so I I have pitched this to so many people um no currently <laughs> I do not know um but I've been telling a lot of my peers I'm like you know I need guidance right now so I, I was like I hope we have um I hope we could create something along those lines. Thankfully at Columbia though, I don't know if you've heard of it, but the Women in STEM Club, I think has like a mentoring program with grad students. So I participated it um, this year and that has been such a rewarding um, and really knowledgeable experience because I got paired with um, a first year in the chemistry department um, and she has been telling me all the trials that she's been going through but she, since she just did the grad school application um that's also something she's going to help me a lot with this summer hopefully shout out to Taruna um <laughs> so I am going to have a little bit of guidance but I wish like you said there was a program that was more um a little bit more concrete and an actual organization so to, you know we'll see where that goes if anyone takes me up on my offer to start <laughs> That would be so awesome. Is chemistry, you said your mentor was in chem, right? Is that what you want to do? Or is it bio mostly? Uh, No, I think I'm going to go. So I'm a biochem major, so I guess I can do both. But my research focuses more. Um, Biology, I think how it happened was her specific project is with a biochem professor. So her lab is biochem, even though she's chemistry. So I think that's why they paired us together. But even though it's been really interesting to hear her side of like chemistry, chemistry, it makes me kind of be like, yeah, thank God I didn't go through that route. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, because Ashley and I were also in Orgo Lab or Organic Chemistry Lab. We call it Orgo Lab last semester, or I guess two semesters ago, if we're talking about the fall of 2020. And our TA was a grad student in chemistry or in organic chemistry. Is that a separate department? I think it's the same department, just okay. in chemistry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like a lot of the TAs who help like teach for undergrad courses, or I guess the big intro courses, a lot of them are grad students. So I think for the science-based um, graduate programs, at least here at Columbia, you're required to TA for a class um, to get that um, teaching experience under the belt, which I think is pretty cool. But even at Columbia, I didn't realize how many undergrad TAs we also have for so many of our classes, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is, that, that in itself is inspiring because I'm like, wow, I, could, I can't even be a student. I don't know how someone is a TA for a class. Um, props to our other friends here at Columbia that do that. You, you're a TA. Yeah, when you told me you're going to be a TA for bio, I was like, Caroline is a godsend. <laughs> Thanks, Ashley. Yeah, no, yeah, I think the, so the bio, so I'm a bio TA. So intro bio is our main biology course, I guess you could say, like at Columbia for Columbia College and Columbia Engineering and School of General Studies. So the the TAs for those are undergraduate students. And I think a lot of the computer science or CS classes also- Yeah, I was just about to say. Like there's always, there's this page called Columbia Confessions. (laughs) And (laughs) everyone is always like, oh, I'm so grateful for whoever, like whoever's their TA. And it's just like a whole list of thank you notes to the TAs, which I think is really cute. I love those, those mega threads that they do. I'm like, that's so sweet. Yeah. It's nice to know that you can make a difference in someone's life, I guess, or at least in their one course that makes their life a little <laughs> the bit. The one academic <laughs> world. <laughs> How did you find your, you were talking about your, your research experiences, kind of. How did you find those research experiences in college? Yeah. So I guess I had a little bit of an interesting journey into research. So I didn't have any lab experience in high school. Um, none of that. Didn't know that as high school students, you could do that. So I came to Columbia a little bit at a disadvantage. I I noticed during NSOP that some people were working in labs since middle school. And I was like, whoa, I I don't know how, but good for you. Um, And so I really wanted to get started um, as soon as possible. I know a lot of people tend to wait for their freshman spring to get a little bit um, accustomed to the campus culture before. But I was like, you know, I want to get accustomed to the campus culture with research because I knew that was something I wanted to do. So I was like, just start now and get used to everything right away. So actually during NSOP, um, I was I have work study. So I was looking at the work study portal and a lot of the positions were like office jobs or working in the libraries or for any type of department. And I saw one for the Lamont Observatory I don't know if you've ever heard of that. It's an hour away in Jersey. Um, and it's like Columbia's earth science department with like um, people studying tectonic plates, um, marine biology, all this stuff. And that's on that campus. So on a whim, I applied. I was like, you know, I, I marine biology sounds cool. And I applied and thankfully I got it my, my freshman fall. And I had to trek on the shuttle for an hour almost every week um to Jersey and it's so crazy because right on the edge of New Jersey New York is this place it's I don't know how they found it (laughs) and I worked um for a year in a marine biology lab studying 
zooplankton. Um, it's pretty cool. I'm obviously, I'm not in that lab, and not obviously, but I'm not in that lab anymore. It was a very valuable experience, though, because it really showed me the first thing about research, just being in a lab, and the way that they think is just so different. They're always asking questions, and that's an environment that I was never in. Um, I feel like, especially in labs, um, like practical labs that we have to take for school, you already know the answer to the question you're asking because the lab was set up for you, someone thought this. In the real life, they don't know the answers to the question and they don't even know if the question is going to get an answer. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's the mindset that you really have to acquire fast um, to avoid frustration. Um, avoid frustration, but also boost your creativity because it really makes you think like, is this plausible? A lot of questions that we were not really used to asking. Mm -hmm. So love the people at that lab. And then my freshman spring, along with you, applied to surf, a biology program at Columbia. Um, that's a summer research program that matches you with a PI. Um, and for the whole summer, they pay for you um, to do research. And so me and Caroline are both in it actually at the same time. And that I'm still in my current lab that I did with SURF. So I've been in my new lab um, studying translational, translational like mechanisms for about a year and a half, two years already, which is crazy to say. Um, but I love this research a lot um, and it's definitely more fitting for me than the marine biology lab that I was in before but very cool if you like marine biology. <laughs> I think it's cool that you had that as your first exposure and you were talking about your you're kind of studying translational regulation was it um, of mRNA into protein so do you think like your intro bio knowledge helped you in that? 100% it was actually more of a backwards process. Since I took biology, I was taking biology the summer after I started my research. Oh. Um, a lot of the work that I was doing, I was lost for the majority of it. And I had to basically learn on myself, learn on my own, um, what the PCR process was, um, all this gel, like how to run a gel, um, how to tag a protein, all this stuff that I was like, what is this? I've never heard about this in my high school biology course. And then so when I went into bio, it was me the whole semester connecting the dots of what I tried to learn on my own um, and what was being taught to me. And so it's kind of like I had a sneak peek going into the class. Mm -hmm. But also when I took the class, everything made so much more sense. Like everything was clicking. I was like, oh, I learned that wrong by myself. That <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> I think the first two years of research in my experience was just learning like techniques mm -hmm. and learning how to keep things sterile, all this stuff, properly pipetting, how to run a gel, how to do all these things. And then now, since I was a junior and hopefully going to senior year, it's more like, well, how is this even working in the first place? What are we actually looking into on the biology level, like the molecular level? Um, and so it's kind of cool to connect both things so it's like you know you know how to run it but now you know why it's even running um so it's a pretty good journey that we've, we've been going on <laughs> that's awesome and let's see what about outside of research what do you do in your free time if you have any free time outside of classes <laughs> so I'm, I'm like yeah, that's a great question <laughs> um yeah I think for me personally there's no way I would be able to do schoolwork if I didn't have like an opposite equal reaction of just being lazy <laughs> and doing something for fun. So like I mentioned before, I do college advising on my free time. 
Um, I play intramural volleyball, which is super fun. And I really hope they bring it back um, next fall because of COVID. Um, I love musical theater. So unfortunately, all the theaters closed now. But my freshman year, my sophomore year, uh, we have a program in Columbia called Urban New York, which they raffle Broadway tickets out almost every week. They did. Um, I don't know how they're going to do it after COVID, but they were doing that often. And I think my freshman year, I saw more than like 15 shows through Columbia for free because they were giving it away. So I can't wait to do that back. Hopefully senior year ends with a bang. Um, what, what else? I'm like, what else did I do? Sebs. We love doing uh, <laughs> outreach to the local schools. And I guess the last big thing that I do is I am a campus rep for Victoria's Secrets Pink. And so if you guys love Victoria's Secret Pink, definitely check us out on Instagram. We always do giveaways. I follow VS Pink Columbia. I think that's the handle. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I see like you're like featured on the, on the, in like one of the photos. And what exactly does a campus rep do for like a, any type of company? Yeah. So I, I personally, and my focus is in social media. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really the brand ambassador. I just help them run the feed and take the pictures and create the graphics and all that stuff. But I can, talk about what I've seen they promote awareness of the brand one um they're always on campus giving out free stuff I think this past week they were just um giving out little final study kits that they made with like pink merchandise um and also I've seen that the company wants us to do um not advocacy but outreach into the area and help support local businesses through um since we do have this platform of having such a big brand name, we're able for Black History Month to shout out local creators here um, on campus and in the Harlem community. And so that was something I was glad to partake in that able to spread some awareness to the Columbia community since so many people are on campus that could help support them and their actual job. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. I feel like every company has a different um, goal that they want their brand ambassador to um, partake in. But I think with Chloe Pink, it's just spreading mental health awareness mm-hmm. um, and just showing, you know, college kids struggle. And, you know, we got to look cute while we struggle sometimes. <laughs> so they do like to give us a lot of stuff. The college student market is such a big playing field because we all love stuff. right and if like if I'm drinking Red Bull already of course I'd want to get sponsored by Red Bull to give my friends free Red Bull you know it just makes sense and so I'm really happy that most brands are expanding these programs and realizing like how much of an asset a student can be in helping them promote themselves I feel like having someone that you know talk about a brand is so much more um convincing about the brand rather than just seeing an ad on the subway you know it puts a face uh to the brand and I think that this that's the way we're gonna go for the next couple years moving forward you're also involved in fly network is that right for sure so the fly network is the first generation um low-income kind of community on campus we were founded I think in 2014 and basically the, por- the purpose of the club is just to provide like a safe space and a platform for students to talk about um, the range of issues that pertain to having these two intersectional identities, like being first gen and low income. Um, and so I guess my favorite part about Flynet is just the community that we're able to build 
honestly, this club was the first club I joined at Columbia. And I remember going to the first like general body meeting and we were just all ranting about how it sucks <laughs> to kind of have no money in New York City. And it was so funny and just like freeing to be able to like openly talk about this because I feel like sometimes you try to relate to someone um, on campus and um, due to their financial background or something, you know, you're just, they can understand you, but they can't relate to you in a certain way of peers that come from like your same exact background. And I found that very comforting, being able to kind of go back to a place uh, where I felt like I was back at home and talk about these um, new experiences that I was facing as a freshman was something I'm very thankful for and grateful that I'm able to give back to them as well. Um, and I guess in addition to being like a community space and a social gathering, um, we also do a lot of advocacy. I think um, one of the biggest things that we were able to do is when COVID happened, we um, started a petition and wrote a statement to the, you know, like the university, not like, I'm like the university government, that's wrong, <laughs> the administration, there we go, um, asking if they could not kick uh, first-gen students off of campus because we couldn't just fly back home, we didn't have the financial means, and they actually listened, and I think we were able to push for the stay of students, it, up until the summer, actually, they allowed students to stay on campus, so that was very, there was something I was proud to be a part, a part of, and we also do, like, we have a, I don't know if you've heard about it, like, uh, partnership libraries, the lending libraries, yeah. uh -huh. for students um, in the core, since Columbia does have a core, and it requires a lot of books that, unfortunately, not everyone can purchase, and so through these lending libraries, a lot of students donate books to us, but we also are able to buy books that uh, we could give out to students at rent for the semester, totally free of charge. Um, so they're able to participate in the classes, just like their other peers that are able to buy their books on their own. Um, and I guess the other big thing we do is food insecurity. Um, we started the food pantry at Columbia that helps a lot of um, GS and grad students who cannot be on the meal plan or, um, be able to have food <laughs> and now it's its own separate thing so it's not flying it anymore but we still partner with them and that is something really rewarding to see. I didn't know that Flynet started the food pantry and then now it's kind of like evolved and it's pretty cool. Yeah it's really it's really um interesting and obviously I have only been here for three years but to hear the former presidents talk about how they started this initiative with a small group of people and now like even the lending library is its own separate thing now. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's nice to see that they were able to grow out and become their own department because now they have more of an awareness on campus mm -hmm. and just more support, which is always the goal. And I'm also seeing like at the end of the school year when we were back on campus, but I think a couple of people are still doing it now. Like when people have extra swipes, sometimes you can't spend all of your meal swipes in one. Oh semester. yeah, I've seen them all over Facebook. Right, really. and they're like, oh, I'll be wherever, like, I'll be in, I don't know, John Jay or something, like, outside. If you guys need swipes, I'll be standing here, and I'll, I can swipe you in, which I think is just, like, so so nice and so helpful for a lot of people and just very generous of the people who are doing that. And even when we were in quarantine um, in fall, a few students would make trips either daily or weekly to the Harlem Food Pantry mm -hmm. and just leave uh, the community fridge, sorry, and they would just bring all this food 
to that fridge to give to the broader community. And that's not specifically finite. I don't, I forget the group of students that started it, but it's nice to see that people on campus are aware of this problem and are trying to do whatever they can to help. And so I'm like, okay, my faith in humanity a little bit restored, you know, just a <laughs> tiny bit. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Let's see. And I guess since we're kind of on the topic of Columbia now, we can focus a little bit about a little bit more on like Columbia specific, let's say like trivia or traditions. Um, so what are some of your favorite Columbia traditions and maybe just a fun fact about Columbia that people might not know? Ooh, my favorite Columbia traditions. That's a, that's a hard, okay, I'm gonna go with tree lighting. Every, I feel like everyone says tree lighting, but there's just something, it's so, like if, if someone else just walked through Columbia while the lights were turning on, they would be like, oh yeah, this is cute. And even like when, New, when I go to New York and like, let's say like the Rockefeller tree, you know, like that big tree, I'm like, oh yeah, that's cute too. But there's something about tree lighting and everyone like standing next to everyone there waiting for it to turn on, the acapella people singing, trying to wait in line to get like an extra large t-shirt that's not gonna fit you and hot and free hot chocolate and donuts is so magical. I can't describe it. And it's so cheesy. I know everyone says it, but it really is just an indescribable experience that I'm just like, oh, chilling with everyone. It feels like everyone in Colombia also gathers at the same time. And so it's pretty cool to be with all those people. And I guess something that people don't know about campus hmm that's a uh, I'm like trying to think I like the Buell Hall that's like that's like the fun fact that Buell Hall is like one of the is the only remaining um structures from that asylum that they had here on campus and I don't remember the exact uh the exact name of the asylum but it's kind of cool that they're able to preserve just that little piece of New York history. Um, so that's a little fun fact for the new oh, one. Cool. Yeah, no, we've, we've done a ton of episodes and talked about like Columbia fun fact and no one has mentioned that one before. And I have, I've maybe like heard of it tangentially, but I never really, really, whoa, I said really twice. <laughs> I never really like do- delve, dove into it. Yeah. Is there anything that I didn't ask that you want to kind of talk about? No, I feel like that pretty much covered everything I guess just like a general statement that I can say to anyone that's first gen thinking about applying to colleges go for it don't let anything hold you back really I know sometimes it feels like a school may not cater to you but you're always going to find your own community here honestly I know my me personally coming to um, a PWI was very intimidating because I wanted to find people of my similar background. And there's so many clubs on these campuses that you're gonna find a community um, where you feel like you belong in and that is gonna make you feel comfortable. And so try to look into that also when you're looking for a school, if you can find a certain, um, I don't know what it's specifically called, like I oh, an identity-based group, there you go. That can fit you and make you feel comfortable while you're here because it's always good to have community uh, I think sometimes we want to be like, I can tough it out by myself and like the str- everyone's struggling so I can struggle too, but you don't have to struggle alone. There's so many people here that probably are going through the same thing you are. Uh, so don't let that hold you back when you're trying to find a college. Tying it back to our social media discussion about having someone you know speak for a certain product or a certain something. I feel like the programs that Ashley, you're in, 
are kind of like that, but just like even on a more personal level. People are saying that there are real people at these universities that they might want to go to. And I feel like that just makes it more welcoming or maybe more approachable in a way. Yeah, I was going to say approachable. And I've, it's so, um, I guess in the couple of years I've seen that so many people have been reaching out just through like the Flynet Instagram or matriculate asking to speak to a current college student and just like, how do you like it? You know, I feel like sometimes these colleges obviously market what they want you to see and that can feel impersonal sometimes. Like that's cool information, but I need a little bit more. Um, and so I even Columbia has noticed this too and they started that student ambassadors program that they can yeah. reach out to. And so I think kids just want to hear from kids mm-hmm. and have someone to be completely transparent with you and vulnerable about your personal experiences. And I'm glad that we're doing that more as a student body. Um, and I really hope that we continue to be open and honest with the applicants because they should know what they're getting into. Mm-hmm. So okay. I, I'm i really excited to see the new Roar 2025. It's crazy to say that. I feel yeah. old when I hear that. I'm like, 2025? Mm-hmm. Like what? these majority were born in what, like 2003? Is that true? Am I doing math right? Yeah, 20, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy for me to think. Yeah, yeah. And I can't I believe like- we're seniors. That's another thing. It's- yeah, that is crazy. <laughs> and I think one thing that you wanted to plug was you're currently recruiting, right, for matriculate. Oh yes. So if anyone watching has a high school junior that you think would be interested in free college advising, um, they can. You can either nominate someone or they can apply themselves at matriculate.org. It's right on the homepage. Um, we accept pretty much anyone who wants help. So if you know someone or a friend that might be, um, that might find this useful, please, please, please share the nomination form um, and they'll be paired with the college advisor. Awesome. And I'll definitely link that in the description below in case you want to just click it below and not type it into the URL (laughs) bar. (laughs) But yeah, I think that's awesome. And I think that's a great note to end off on. And just thank you, Ashley, for sharing your experiences and I've learned a lot too. And this is like a lot of just helpful insider tips just to, I don't know, just like an inside look into college. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm an open book. So if anyone wants to ask me questions too, I can link my email um, and you can hit me up and I'll answer anything, honestly. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, thank you for having me though. Really, this was fun. (laughs) I really enjoyed it. I was nervous, but (laughs) (laughs) and also thank you to our viewers if you're watching this on youtube as a video podcast make sure to hit that thumbs up and subscribe and comment down below what you'd like to see next and if you're listening to this on any other podcast streaming platform then be sure to give this a like and follow as well if you can and we'll see you in the next episode Bye. bye